Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. No, when Drew asked me to do scripture, I'm like, oh, I'd be honored to. And then when he told me Teen Challenge was going to be here, I'm like, I'd really be honored to. I have, since I was a teen, so it's old, that's longer ago than Teen Challenge was created, I have heard about you, and all the churches I've been a part of have really followed, and we keep you in prayer and try to give as we can. Um, it's amazing, amazing um, so you know program and I it's been around for 60 years now because it's not just your power but it's God's power that's working through you and it's it's just amazing to me and one of the things the song that uh, Andre so graciously sang you know you are great are you God and it says it's your your breath in our lungs it's so true because the words we're about to read together are God's spoken words. He breathed life into these. So we can read them, and they're just words on a page. We can study them and get to know what it means to us, and we can apply them to our own lives. And I think that's what Teen, teen Challenge is about, but to all of us. And it really can transform your life. I've witnessed it in my own family. My youngest brother was a crackhead. We didn't think he was going to make it. And it was the Holy Spirit that saved him. And he could get up here and tell you that with tears in his eyes. And he has been clean 30 years. Wow. So it is the Holy Spirit. And he thought, always thought he was the black sheep of a family. Well, there's seven of us. And all the rest of us, all six of the rest of us, are we're the proudest of him the most. Because of how many lives he's changed, God through him. So... Read the words and um, study these because they really are wonderful. It's from 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. So let's all read these together and make it even more powerful. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Good morning. Uh, it's a blessing to be here today, and thank you for having us. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Teen Challenge is a 15-month drug and alcohol recovery program and exists to bring life-changing hope to addicts and their families. It was founded in the 50s by, by a small-town pastor named David Wilkerson, and the full story of how Teen Challenge came to be is found in his book called The Cross and the Switchblade. Uh, through this man's faithful obedience to Christ, Teen Challenge has now grown into one of the biggest recovery programs in the country. We are a 24-bed facility in Manchester. We have 11 centers around New England. It's grown to 220 in the United States, and we have 14 centers 
1,400 centers worldwide in 125 different countries. We're not only the biggest, but we're also the most successful. Our success rate hovers around 75%, making us the most successful recovery program in the world. Today you're going to hear testimonies uh, from men whose lives have been changed, who have now come into a close relationship with Jesus Christ, who have devoted their lives to changing, turning over a new leaf, and becoming successes, and giving up their old past. So at this time, I'd like to introduce the men of Teen Challenge, New Hampshire. My name's Aaron. I'm 47 years old and struggled with an alcohol addiction for over 25 years. Um, at one point, uh, it had accelerated to the um, point where I was drinking almost a gallon and a half of vodka every day. I was what you some people call a functional alcoholic. That's functional. I have no idea what people's definition of functional is. I was holding down a job, yes, um, but I was destroying everything else in my life. Um, I was married. Well, technically I still am. Um, but I've been married for about 12 years. I've got four kids, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. And uh, I consider myself one of the lucky ones. I came into Teen Challenge in 2018. I'd had two heart attacks in six months. Um, and the day before I came into Teen Challenge, I was walking with a walker because I had lost so much muscle mass. Um, during the second heart attack, uh, I remember being in a hospital room, um, seizing, um, not having any hope, um, them trying to bring me down off that volume of alcohol with various different medications. And uh, I remember um, doctors telling me I wasn't going to make it through another one. So not having any hope, I called my wife up. Um, I told her where the insurance policy was. I told her goodbye, and uh, I rolled over. <laughs> and sorry, it still brings a tear to my eye. Um, but uh, I'd given up, so I didn't expect to wake up. And a few days later, I did wake up. And God had a different plan for me. Still not looking for any help, though. Um, Somebody happened to be at the hospital I was at. Um, they were visiting the people who helped him detox that 10 years prior. Um, he wasn't looking to find anybody. I just happened to be um, recovering and through the withdrawals, going through the withdrawals he went through. And he poked his head in my hospital room and said, when you're done, we've got a place for you. He was the admissions coordinator of Teen Challenge in New Hampshire. And so when I got out, I walked up the steps to Teen Challenge Manchester and uh, walked into a place I had no idea what it was about, no idea what I was getting into, and unfortunately still not looking for any recovery at all. So I'm filling out the paperwork. He said, well, I'm not sure if we've got a place for you yet, but uh, you know, we're going to work on it. So in still planning my next drink, I handed him the paperwork back. I said, give me a call when you uh, got a place for me. 
and I start walking out the door. And he stopped me and said, you don't understand, you just checked in. <laughs> now this was a wake-up call, because I was now in a place uh, with brothers pouring into me, and uh, healing began. And so I spent 12 years at Teen Challenge. Got my wife back, got my kids back, and God healed everything. Body was healed, um, and 12 minutes into it, everybody said, okay, you've had learned enough, it's time to come home. Unfortunately, Teen Challenge is a 15-month drug and alcohol program. So in my pride, arrogance, and false wisdom, I laughed early. And I got it all back. Got the wife, got the kids, got the job, driving a company truck, company cell phone, and I made it three months before I tanked the whole thing. Um, so, knowing where to go in my failure, I knew who to call, so I called Grant back up. Last December, I came into Teen Challenge a second time. The first time I had destroyed most of everything in my body. Um, this time I caught it a little earlier, so I wasn't as bad physically. But spiritually, I was completely bankrupt. There wasn't much left. Um, I was depressed. Couldn't believe I was looking to go through another 15 months of Teen Challenge. And, <laughs> but uh, there are people waiting for me. And I began to heal again. And uh, it's been an awesome time so far. I mean, it's, I'm 11 months into it, looking at finishing it up again. Um, I came into Teen Challenge uh, this time around um, with a horrible limp. Um, I had gotten into an accident, and uh, doctors told me I wasn't going to walk without a limp ever again. And uh, I did. I walked with limp for about 25 years. But the healing Christ had for me was phenomenal. And uh, six months ago, I went to the doctor. They said there's nothing left of the ankle. There's no cartilage left in it. Um, it's fusing itself, and they want to replace the whole ankle. And, uh, or fuse it together with four bolts. And the uh, doctor didn't know he'd been walking on it. <laughs> um, so I took it to prayer. And, uh, well, as you can see, there's no limp anymore. But the, uh, the miracles we get to see through uh, what Christ has done in our lives is amazing at Teen Challenge. It uh, has been a blessing to go through. You know, I'm not going back to drinking ever again. And the greatest blessing I've gotten so far is the fact that I don't even have an urge to. You know, um, one of the scriptures I stand on is Romans 8.28. All things come together for good for those who are called to Him. Um, and that's brought me closer to Him brought a peace in my heart and in my life that I've never had before, even before I started drinking. And I rely on that now, and I can seek it through him. So this time I'm going to get through it. I'm going to succeed. Thank you. Amen. So a lot of times we come out to churches, and uh, you know, we go through our presentation. Sometimes we even sing it um, at churches. But uh, we'd really like to tell you about a day in the life of Teen Challenge and how we got to be where we're at in the program. Um, so uh, we'll start with Sundays. Sundays we uh, usually have a service like this one. And uh, go there, through it, go back to the center. We've got kind of a down day. 
Um, so, kind of uh, work jobs. That's me making a meal there. Um, one of the blessings I've had is I make a lot of the meals at Teen Challenge. Um, Mondays, Tuesdays, sometimes on Wednesdays, we have our uh, academics and uh, let mo all the days start with uh, prayer. You know, it's the best way we can do to start out the day. We have chores, which fall into a, a rigid structure, which <coughs> most of us were lacking greatly when we are out in our mess. Um, teaches us discipline and uh, really come into a questionable relationship with our brothers too. Um, Tuesdays is our chapel day. Uh, we usually have a guest speaker or our director gives us gives a word and uh, you know we have uh, and then we go back into academics after that. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is our outreaches, which are ways we could go out in the public, spread the word, tell people there's hope like we had, and uh, raise funds for a ministry that saved our lives. And, uh, so that's about about what we have during the week. This is our academics. Uh, like I said, we have this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, keeps us really busy and uh, really builds a foundation for our walk. You know, we have script memorizations, which we pick out a, a verse, memorize it, and then we have to recite it orally, which is very difficult for me coming in. Uh, we also have Bible reading, which is usually a book in the Bible. And then we have to write a page, one-page paper on each chapter. Character qualities uh, is one of the big growing experiences at Teen Challenge. We get to work on the character qualities. Well, we failed at out there. Anger management, humility, self-control, respect. Um, and there's group studies. Uh, one of the staff comes in and goes over with us. Uh, one of the studies we have are foundations for being a Christian, how to become a Christian, things like that. Then five-minute messages. Five-minute messages is an oral presentation we give in front of each other about where we're at personally with our walk and the scriptures we can use to back that up. These are the outreaches we do. Um, I was talking about this before. Uh, on the right there um, is uh, what we do at uh, schools. Um, some of the guys go out to middle schools and high schools and really try to get to people before they start, you know, the mistakes that we did ourselves. On the left there, actually, you're my left, your right, <laughs> is our end addiction team. These are storefronts we go to. Uh, we go to various uh, shopping centers and gas stations, convenience stores, and really get the word out to some people who are struggling. Uh, at the table, we also sell cutting boards and books, kind of like we have at the table over there. And, uh, but mostly it's about getting the word out, giving people hope. This is our fall banquet. It's kind of like a church service, except much bigger. Uh, this one takes place on the 5th of November. It's usually about 400 people. Um, you'll hear testimonies like ours and a uh, catered meal. You know, we'd really like to get some of you out there if you could. It's a great way to uh, meet our alumni and our director too. This is one of our uh, several fundraisers we have during the year. It's called our, it's our golf tournament. Um, takes place in the summer. Uh, you won't find me golfing. <laughs> I'll drive the golf cart. You don't want me on your team. But we have a lot of sponsors that come out and do foursomes, and, and it's a great way to fundraise. It's also got a catered uh, meal, too. And again, you'll hear a lot of our testimonies out there, too, of how you know, God has saved our lives. 
This is by far my favorite fundraiser we do at Teen Challenge. <laughs> this is our Harley Ride for Freedom. It's usually about an hour ride from uh, Harley Davidson, Manchester to Peterborough and back. It's about an hour ride. Riders get back, there's a barbecue waiting for them. And, uh, you know, you guys get a free t shirt. There's raffles we do as well there. Um, up until this last year, we did give away a Harley, but uh, that came to an end. This was our last year giving away the bike. But it is still an awesome ride. And we'd really like to get as many people out there this year. Hopefully, we can get 150 riders this year. This is one of our most uh, interesting fundraisers we have. <laughs> this is gift wrapping. We do this at uh, four or five different malls. Uh, it's long hours for us. Um, it starts from before the time the mall opens to sometimes long after it closes during that last week. We go out there and uh, people don't really know much about Teen Challenge. They think we're Macy's Day rappers and we're not. <laughs> but we go out there and they find out that we're ex-addicts and this you know, Teen Challenge has given us a pair of scissors and gone out and told to wrap people's gifts. <laughs> Sometimes they're easy to wrap, sometimes, well, they look like that. <laughs> but it's an awesome time for us. We put in some long hours, and it's really uh, time to really give back to a ministry that saved our lives. Uh, we do work very hard at Teen Challenge as residents, and uh, this is one of the ways we get to kind of unwind. This is Camp Berea. Uh, it takes place in the summer. Um, it's usually two centers, ours and the main campus. And really it's a place for us to kind of go swimming and get fellowship. But the most important part is it gives a lot of guys coming into the program uh, a place to get baptized as well and dedicate their lives to Christ. Uh, and it's a place for us to really just get in close relationship with brothers at other centers that really we don't get to see that often. This is Camp Champion. This is kind of like Camp Berea, but it's all 11 centers all together on one campus, praising, worshiping, um, chapel service every day, and uh, you know, again, we got swimming and other things, we've got a, some zip line and some kind of super swing there. Um, we didn't have it last year because of COVID, but this year we're really praying that it takes place because it's really a great way for all 11 centers to get together and really Again, there's so many baptisms, so many people just worshiping all the time that it's phenomenal. Um, I've been to both of them uh, twice now, and I can't wait for this next time. This is family restoration. This is one of the most important parts of Teen Challenge. Um, it's not always about us and the it's but it's about the uh, also about the damage we do. You know, we hurt a lot of people when we're in our mess. We hurt a lot of relationships and. Family restoration is about getting family members uh, all at the table again. You know, but it's really about hearing their side of it and for us coming to grips with what we've done in our mess and, you know, healing. Um, it's hard to sit through when you first come into the program. You know, you're being held accountable for everything you did. And six months later, you're like, okay, well, I've gotten a lot out of Teen Challenge. Maybe I come home and our relatives are sitting across that table going, yeah, no. <laughs> we got a ways to go. But by 13, 14, 15 months, they're seeing the change. They see what we're, we've become. They see what we've done. And uh, they're excited to have us home again. 
this is really the you know one of the biggest goals of Teen Challenge. It's the graduation. Uh, at Teen Challenge, it's not really about finishing the program. That's just the start. You know, the graduation is is yeah, it's the end of the time at Teen Challenge, but it's really about Teen Challenge preparing us for what's ahead. Um, Teen Challenge focuses on transition a lot. They don't just throw us back out into the our old environment. Um, one of the ways we transition out is a six-month apprenticeship we do at Teen Challenge if you sign up for it. It's a way to be held accountable. We stay at the staff house, so we're kind of on our own, but not completely. We're under curfew, and obviously we get tested too when things go awry, or when even they suspect. Um, but another way to transition out too is when you're going back to your family. It's a slow way to get back to your family. You're not going back and there every day. Going back you know, a weekend at a time, then a few days at a time, and then, you know, when it's time, you go back naturally rather than this great big shock of being back at home. Um, well, yeah, and it's, 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 I can't wait to be there. I'm going to be at the graduation soon, um, but we're all going to make it. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> My name is Gene. Um, I was born and raised in East Los Angeles, California. Um, I have eight sisters. So growing up with, with them was kind of an experience. I never, I don't have a brother, so I couldn't shift the blame. Or <laughs> So I always got the run end of the deal. Um, so my father, my father was in Vietnam and growing up, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of had my own way of thinking because my father was never home, so he raised and bred German Shepherds. So growing up, I had a lot of responsibilities. Um, at 14, I came home from school and I saw a car parked out in the front yard. And, um, my mom was on the couch, and there was uh, a sergeant major, a major, and uh, a chaplain there at the house, and my mom was sitting down, and my mom tells me that my father died in Vietnam. So now I have to take the responsibility, be the man of the house, take care of all my sisters, my mom, and the house, and the chores, there's a lot of responsibility for me, and I, I really couldn't, I really couldn't do it all. It was kind of hard for me, but I did my best. I made sure my, my sisters were going to school. I did my homework. Um, everybody was, because my mom showed me how to cook. Even my mom tells me that I make a better wife than I would a husband. <laughs> because I, I, I iron for the guys, and, you know, and, I cook, so it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have all this because, like I said, my father never took the time and showed me how to fish or swim or anything. I kind of learned it on my own. So um, I started hanging around with the round crop, and I was looking for somebody to guide me or 
to look up to. So I ended up uh, falling in the wrong direction, started dabbling in the drugs, alcohol. But I was still going to school, trying to maintain, trying to make sure that my mom, um, everything was okay. But inside of me, I could play the tough part. I was shattered in the inside because I didn't, I couldn't run to my mom, even though my mom knew a lot about me because there was nothing in this world that she doesn't know. And I, I couldn't hide it. So I graduated school. And um, I knew I knew my mom was going to send me to college. I knew that, and all my friends were going into the military, and I'm like, well, maybe I should go. So when I was 14, my father, like I said, I raised him with German Shepherds. So we had the puppies. We had 12 puppies, and uh, they would all, you know attack you if you were laying down on the ground. They would come and lick you all over, and, you know, nibble on you. And you would push one away and three more would come. And, and it was fun. It was fun to have these puppies. So I was underneath this marble three-foot coffee table that my father had uh, bought when we were growing up. And I was underneath it. Well, my little sister, well, I not my little sister, but Barbara was on top of me and I told her to get off me and I, was, I rolled over. I smacked the edge of the coffee table, splitting my eye open and getting 14 stitches. So all my friends were going into military and I'm like, well, maybe I should go. So some of them were going to the Air Force, the uh, uh, Coast Guard, the, the Army, and then the Navy. So I'm like, maybe I go to the Navy. And uh, I go to the, uh, the Navy recruiter and I signed up, well, I just signed up I, because I really wasn't enlisted yet, but I still had to take the, the, uh, the course about the... Um, ASVAB. No, I really did the ASVAB. I had to take the, um, the eye exam. The, I had to take physical. There it is. So, I... I go to San Diego from Los Angeles to San Diego, take the physical, and I'm taking the eye exam. Well, the eye exam I failed because they told me that I had what they call horizontal astigmatism, that my left eye would vibrate when I followed the light, left to right, right to left, up and down. It didn't have, I didn't have the, uh, the stability of the eye to, to stay focused, so they failed me. So they bring me back to Los Angeles, and instead of going home, I go right into the Marine Corps recruiter, and I enlist for six years. But back then, they only had the four-year plan and the six-year plan. Now you've got the one-month plan if you want to get out <laughs> so soon. So um, I go in, and I enlist for six years, and um, um, I go into I go to uh, San Diego, and right next door is the Navy Well, the Navy, um, uh, um, their training. And right across, the, uh, because it's only separated by a fence. You got a fence line, and then you've got the San Diego um, um, airport, and then you got a fence coming in from the Navy to the Marine Corps. 
and then you got the highway. Well, anyways, to make a long story short, I graduate, never written home, and then I'm keeping to the, the chaplain, my three drill uh, uh, instructors, and they want to know why I'm not writing home. And I'm like, well, why should I? There's nothing for me to write home. Oh, should I write home and tell them that I hate this place and I want to come home? And, and I did it. So for the 72 days, because the Marine Corps is the, the only largest and most longest boot camp, um, I never read home. So I go to, I come home for um, two days or three days, and then I got to go to Camp Pendleton for my uh, advanced infantry training school. And this is where it's, once you finish boot camp, this is where they're going to put me. So back then I had a girlfriend and I told her, well, you know, I'm not gonna write you until I get to my duty station and when we get your um, papers to go to your duty station, you either go to Okinawa, you either go to the Philippines, but you're in a, uh, a platoon where my MOS was an 0311, which is 03 is your infantry, and your 11 is what you're going to be doing as your job, which was uh, your basic rifle. So uh, I'm, here I am thinking that I'm going to Okinawa or to, to the Philippines. Uh, we had um, a sergeant major, we had two captains and a lieutenant, and a uh, major come from Washington, D.C. to um, Charlie Company, which I was in, and they uh, interviewed the whole battalion. So after graduate, well, during, before graduation, you get your orders. And now here I am going to Washington, D.C. I go to Washington, D.C., and it's the oldest post in the Corps, 8th and 9th, which is a um, barracks duty, and um, they do uh, arrivals, departures. We, well, we did um, Ronald Reagan's um, presidential when he got inaugurated for president, so we had to set, um, we marched for him, uh, we set perimeters for him so that nobody, and the Secret Service is already around. So we're, we're basically behind the Secret Service. Even though we don't have light ammo, we're standing guard. So um, we do his inauguration, we do funerals, we did the last of the five-star general, Omar Bradley. Um, we do arrivals and departure. If uh, Casper Weinberger was leaving, or if he was coming, or George Schultz was coming, either or. So I do two years, and then they asked me if they want to do uh, a um, transfer of the guard, and I raised my hand, and I head to uh, Camp, um, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, where I spent my remaining of my four years in what in Kevin Jew. And now I go into a weapons company, which I am now an 0331 machine gun, where they put more rounds downrange than, than than a 50 cal. So we go to um, um we went to um, Beirut, Lebanon, and there um, we saw combat and we were on patrol, and I hear a metallic click. I turn around, and I get hit. I get shot. I go to um, Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany, and I tell them it's okay, so I'm okay. It's only a flesh wound, and which it was. You know, the bullet went in and out. But since I got hit, you know, they do what they got to do. 
So, um, and then we go to Afghanistan for another uh, major deployment. So, I see combat, but it's in my head. But my drug addiction, I carried it all with me. So, I majored in heroin. Heroin was my drug of choice, and I was my my love. You know, that was my drug of choice. And it put me, because of the death that I seen, I couldn't turn it off. I had to find something to comfort me, because the girl that I had had was no longer there. And um, I come home after my six years, four months, and 22 days, because that's what they call uh, involuntary extension. I come home, and uh, I have no idea of what I want to do now, because the job that was embedded in my head, they weren't looking for a mercenary or a hitman, you know? And so my buddies from high school, they came and visited my mom and wanted to know how I was doing and what I was doing and when I was coming home. So um, I come home, and sure enough, the guys that I used to hang around in football and when I ran track, because I ran, I ran uh, distance. I didn't just run track. I ran, I ran to run until I got tired. So um, they asked me if I wanted to go to school. And I'm like, school? My head ain't ready to go to school. So I ended up going to the University of Southern California, uh, the Trojans. And this was a um, school that you had to have a, some type of um, um, scholarship. And I couldn't get a scholarship. So I went in as a redshirt while I was working within the college. So I was paying for my college, paying for my books, paying for my school, and going and getting the degree that I wanted to get. So I chose civil engineering and I minored in architecture. And I fell in love with civil engineering because I wanted to build roads, bridges, dams, dikes, you name it, I wanted to get my hands dirty. But then I wanted the architectural, so I could build houses, I could, I mean, my mind had just gotten, not really rid of the, the damage that I'd done in my past, but I brought it forward, and the drug addiction was, was like my babysitter. You know, I babysitted my drugs. So I come to uh, New England, fell in love with this girl, I come home from work and I find her in bed with two men, and that ruined it all. And there, again, my drug addiction just burst. Um, and then um, one of my friends, I told him that I needed somewhere to go, somewhere where they taught me the Bible, somewhere that I needed God in my life because I knew God, but I didn't know God. So he told me about Teen Challenge. Isn't that just for teens? He goes, no, man, just we deal with everybody. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. So the 25th of uh, June of this year, I walked in at 8.40 in the morning. It was on a Wednesday. I walked into the door, and they opened their arms, and they greeted me. Because before I walked in, I asked God that I wanted to be a soldier for him. And um, 
God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. He uh, opened these doors. He opened these guys' heart for me. Yeah, granted, I still get frustrated. I get angry and I get all this in my head because this is my first program. And I brought all my luggage, my garbage with me. And to have God just to say goodbye, I don't know what to do because I'm so used to that, that rut, that, the muck, the mud, um, the, all the disparity, everything that I brought with me. And these guys brought love, hope, friendship, compassion, uh, guidance, and that's what I needed. And the scripture that I stand on today is Romans 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all of these things can be added up to Amen. Thank you, Gene. Um, so, uh, as you guys were entering, I did my best to get a prayer card to everybody. Um, the prayer cards basically are a way for us to pray for you. On the left side of the card is a spot for your basic information. Um, this way we can keep in contact with you and keep you updated on our different events that you that Aaron shared with you in the PowerPoint. Um, you'll also receive a monthly newsletter sharing, you, sharing with you um, the story of another changed life. And on the right side of the prayer card is a spot for your prayer requests. This is by far the most important side of the card. Um, here at Teen Challenge, we, we focus and, and value the power of prayer, absolutely. And um, each one of us is the result of an answered prayer. We have intercessory prayer at least twice a day where we learn to value others above ourselves by praying not only for ourselves but our brothers in the program and we take time to pray over these prayer cards as well. There's no prayer that's too big or too small for God. So if you could fill out that right side of the card with whatever you need prayer for. It can be a small thing, a big thing. Whatever it is, we'll get to it. Each one of us will do our best to pray over those cards. And then if you could drop that off at our table at the end. Um, we'd love to pray over you, keep in contact with you. Um, thank you. Amen. Amen. Does anybody need a prayer card? Did somebody not get it? doing this morning guys? Nice. So um, I'm Chris. I'm originally from Billerica, Massachusetts. You know, um, my parents got divorced when I was like six years old so my family moved to uh, South Boston and um, when I was eight years old my mom started uh, dating this man and um, you know that was when my childhood was like kind of cut short. You know uh, he used to beat me and my brothers and my step siblings all the time and he was a child molester. And, um, yeah, he forced me and my sisters into uh, sexual relations with each other, you know, and uh, 
He went to prison when I was like 12 years old, and uh, when I went to sexual education, I started learning more what he was doing to us, and uh, I grew to be uncomfortable inside my own skin. So I um, started smoking pot, doing Oxycontin and Benzos, and um, started getting in a lot of trouble, and I got arrested when I was like 14 years old. And I got sent to juvie for six months, and um, I loved it, you know, I loved being a big bad boy, you know, so when I got out, just went right to do what I was doing before selling drugs and getting into trouble. My mother saw that I was going down the same path that I was before, so she sent me down to live with my father in Billerica. And, um, you know, it got, it got tough at this time. My little brother got sick, and we had no idea what was going on with him. And um, we went to many doctors, and no one could figure out what was going on with him. And uh, it wasn't until we went to Boston Children's Hospital that uh, we were told that he was diagnosed with cancer. He's only three and a half years old. He got diagnosed with leukemia. And, um, you know, I didn't even know kids got cancer and just seeing them go through chemotherapy, you know, really hurt me inside and everything from what was happening since I was a kid. Just, you know, I was really depressed and I was really selfish with my emotions, not letting anything out. And you know, when my father went to go visit my little brother in the hospital, I was watching my little brother James and like right when my dad pulled out of the driveway, I went to his medicine cabinet, took a bottle of his painkillers and his benzodiazepines and uh, tried killing myself. I woke up in the hospital like over a week later and um, got sent to my first mental hospital and uh, I didn't start loving my life after that. I tried many more times in my life and I uh, just got to this certain point where uh, my father couldn't handle it anymore. You know, one kid fighting for his life, one kid trying to take his life, always getting into trouble and uh, so he sent me back to live with my mother. And uh, my mother was going through her own issues, her eardrums ruptured on an airplane and she, she got hooked on her prescription medications. And uh, she was blowing a lot of money. She just won a lawsuit, and she wasn't used to having a lot of money. So, um, you know, that really got to her head. And, uh, you know, she brought me she brought me in the living room one night and was talking to me. You know, she was high, and I was high, actually. And, uh, you know, she was telling me how she couldn't afford the place we were living at anymore and how she had to go to detox. And, uh, you know, I was really upset, so um, I left the house that night to go sleep over at a friend's house. And I returned, like, days later, and um, she wasn't kidding. Uh, she left. And um, I had nowhere to go. My father couldn't accept me back into his household with all the chaos I brought. So 17 years old, uh, I was homeless for the first time. I was sleeping outside, crashing at friend's house. I was too ashamed to really tell anybody what was going on. So one of my buddies, Sean, found me in a park, actually sleeping on a bench, and uh, he took me in. And uh, I still I started experimenting more with drugs, started dating this girl, and uh, she introduced me to heroin. And uh, I was 18, that's the first time I mainlined it. And I fell in love with it completely, you know. Um, it made me want to live for once in my life, you know what I mean? It made me feel comfortable again. And, um, you know, I've been struggling since that day. You know, I'm 28 years old now. In the past couple of years, I've been homeless in Boston uh, with a massive crack cocaine addiction and fentanyl addiction, you know. And it wasn't all the lonely nights that got to me, you know, people overdosing, dying next to me. That really got to me. Um, it was when I looked in the mirror one day. And I just saw myself, couldn't even recognize myself anymore. I had track marks on my neck, I had sores all over my face. It's actually like a month and a half after I got out of it. That's when I came to Detox, uh, Teen Challenge. But um, I decided after I broke down in that bathroom to go to Detox down in Worcester. They have a program called Pass in Boston, so they drove me down to Worcester. And um, when I was down there, I was kind of like just praying to myself, just like what I need to do because the halfway houses aren't working, IOPs aren't working. And I just remember my friend's mother telling me about this faith-based program, so I got on the phone with her. She told me more about Teen Challenge. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to go until I felt convicted one day, so I was like, all right, whatever, I'll go. 
got on the phone with them again, and they told me I could go down to Brockton, but I was like, I need to get out of the Boston area, you know, because I'll end up right back on Mass Ave. And um, so I decided to come up to New Hampshire, and uh, it wasn't a bed of roses, you know, I had a bunch of weirdos coming to pray with me at like 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, and I thought we just prayed at night, that was, my, that was in my head, you know what I mean? He's like, I do our Father every night, I can do this for 15 months. No, nah, it wasn't like that, <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, I know, right, what a trip. And, uh, you know, I struggled, man. I wanted to dip out each and every single day when I was there. I wasn't used to the structure, you know. I've been living, living like, recklessly for years and years, you know. And uh, it wasn't until the end of the first month we went to a night of worship at Tower Hill in Auburn. And I got hit with the Spirit for the first time that night. Felt the high from the most high, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was the greatest feeling I ever had in my life, you know. Anyway. <laughs> But um, yeah, I got the burning sensation, I was sweating, couldn't stop smiling, and I just knew from that day on I gave my life to Christ, you know, completely. Stopped looking at him through a telescope and fully opened the door, you know, and uh, my life's transforming each and every single day. I still go through my troubles, but uh, now I've really been part of my family for 10 years. Last time I saw my family was like four years ago, and I got to go see my youngest brother, Scotty, who beat cancer 12 years ago, the first time. I got, I got to see him uh, play varsity football. He's a junior, he's captain for football and lacrosse, actually. And, yeah, he's doing amazing. He, he's actually All-American for lacrosse already. And um, it was just amazing, you know. I, got, I felt really convicted when I saw him after the game, just crying, saying how much he missed me. So last time I saw him, he was like this big, now he's like this tall. <laughs> it's crazy. But, um, you know, it's just a blessing what God's been doing in my life, you know. And he's been working my life a lot longer than I thought, you know. I didn't speak to my mother for like seven years, you know, after that whole situation. And, you know, when I was 24 years old, she came back into my life and she stuck like th thick and thin, man. She was always there to help me out. Even when I was homeless, if I needed a place to crash at night, she always let me stay at her place, you know. And uh, I love my mother again, you know, I really do. And that's, that's thanks to God right there. And, um, you know, he softened my heart each and every single day, you know, years in jail on the street, you know, your heart really hardens. And, you know, I'm able to trust people again, you know, love people again, you know, being able to open my heart and not hold on to things on the inside, which has been killing me my whole life. You know, that's all glory to God, you know. I'm, I'm truly grateful to be up here uh, talking to you guys. You know, I, I, I could relate to your brother. What's your name again? Nancy. Yeah, I could relate to your brother a lot, Nancy. You know, feeling like the black sheep in the family, crack cocaine addiction. And, you know, I've been saved by God, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. You know, uh, but there's a scripture I stand on right now. So First uh, Corinthians 16, uh, 14. Um, it's uh, let all that you do be done with love. You know? And um, as you guys heard my testimony, and you switch over. Uh, thank you. As you guys heard my testimony, I didn't have like the most money in the world. You know, I was homeless. And a Teen Challenge, we cover the cost for people who can't afford it. You know, we're a nonprofit, 501c3, and uh, we don't receive government assistance. All we get is food stamps. Now, we could get all those things, but uh, they want us to take Jesus Christ out of the program, and we're just not willing to do that because we know that's the only way we're going to be able to change our lives. You know, so um, one of the best ways you could help support our ministry is uh, do a resident sponsorship. It's a dollar a day or $30 a month, you know, and um, if you do this, you will receive a Christian classic compiled of three stories. And, um, you know, you could also feel the gift of knowing that you're, bringing, you're helping someone get closer to Christ. You know, so um, if God places us on your heart, come see me. I'll be at the back table where we're selling cutting boards, books, and t-shirts. So, um, 
Once again, thank you, Pastor, wherever you are in this big crowd. <laughs> Coolest church I've ever been to. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris, and thanks all of you guys who share. Um, just looking back at this verse, when I hear your guys' stories, I hear strength. Right? And each one of you uh, have said, it, it, it's not from me. I'm not, I'm not beating this addiction uh, on my own. Right? It's, it comes from God and Him alone. And so I want to read this again. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of... God's upside-down kingdom is that the way up is actually down. And the way to strength is actually through weakness, confessing our weakness. And that opens up to us to receive His grace and His strength and His power. So thank you, Teen Challenge, for reminding us of that, for encouraging us of that. And each one of us here are all on this journey still. You know, you guys are on your journey. We are all on our journey to, to lower ourselves, to elevate God and His power in our lives. And we never get to a point where we're going to uh, finally arrive until we see Jesus face to face. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, pride, any kind of addiction um, or sin that, that each one of us struggle with, we all need to be reminded to boast in our weakness. So thank you guys. And I would encourage you, church, please support, please support uh, Teen Challenge. Support them in your prayer. Support them with a hug, a high five, a conversation. Support them financially. I'll turn it over to you, Andre. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.